This is R.J. Carbone, and you're listening to BD4. Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes this down. This one by Mattingly. Oh, hang on to the R.J. Barrett does it again from downtown. He is just tearing the Orioles it's apart. Good. It's good. Randall gets the bounce, and he there ties the game. Easton ducks under. Got it. Creates and shows some dexterity as well with the left hand. Yankees win! Oh, Yankees win! Oh, man, here we go. I don't know. I don't know how much longer I can talk about this team. There's a good thing, you know, thankfully, we are, um, I, I think we have 19 games remaining in the regular season, in the season, I mean, that's, that's it for the Knicks, but I, it's, it, I don't know how long I could do it, you know, if, if I didn't, if I didn't like the concept of having a podcast, and, you know, I, I wasn't already in this habit of recapping games on a nightly basis, dude, I would have stopped. But I don't know. It's just something, you know, it helps me vent. But at this point, dude, no amount of venting can even make me feel better. Like, it's it's the same repetitive nonsense. And so I'm going to try to make this episode short because it's going to be the same repetitive nonsense so I can only bore you for so long. But we'll see. Oh my gosh. And you know what? What is it? Is it Murphy's Law? What could go wrong can go wrong or will go wrong. That was last night. You know? And it works like the last that last play perfectly depicted not only the Knicks season but the Suns season. Right? It was just it was meant to happen. It was so perfect. It was so beautiful. It was artwork, right? It was not ever it was never not gonna happen let's just put it that way that was supposed to happen like that was in the basketball gods cards from the get-go that was supposed to happen he had that playing out jesus christ dude it was rough i don't know how much longer i can do it i don't know that i want to recap any of this game i just want to talk about the end talk about my problems with it, with uh, the Knicks. So, yeah, w- welcome to the show. <laughs> I'm your host, RJ Carbone. Episode 334 of the podcast, you all know, BD4, no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis, and we also do MMA now too on the weekends, which is a reason why I also I'm going to make this short, is because I want to watch this uh, upcoming 272 card, Covington Masvidal in particular, that's going to be something else. Um, yeah. So we're going to get to that. And we'll probably have an episode recapping that in the coming days, you know, at the, at the top of the week. But, um, yeah, we're talking next. Uh, before we get to the episode, if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, be sure to do that right now. You can find BD4 on the many platforms that we are on, you know, uh, listening platforms such as I don't know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, 
Anchor, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, many more listening platforms. And if you want to watch the video format of this podcast, you can do that too. Because we're now on YouTube and we've been there since episode 55. So watch us um, on YouTube, listen to us on any of those platforms. If you do want to listen to us on Apple Podcasts, be sure while you're on there to give this show a five-star rating and a review. All right. Um, And share it. Download these episodes. Comment, like the video if you're on on YouTube. All that stuff. And if you want to follow me on social media, feel free. I'm on Facebook, RJ Carbone. And I'm also on Instagram, at Rob J. Carbone. I also write Knicks and Yankees content um, on ultimatesportsnetworks.com. So if you go to ultimatesportsnetworks.com and you put into the search bar on that webpage the Bomber Bocker blog, you'll find my, my, my blog. All right, And if you subscribe to my blog using promo code 6A2... 841-ERJC. You get a discount, $7.99 a month. Um, You get every article and you get a discount on my merchandise. So if you want merch, we have wall tapestries out for the Bomber Bocker Block. Let's get into it. Let's waste no further time. Head to our first break. When we get back, we will dive right into this debacle that is the Knicks. Stay with us. Hey, guys. So, I've noticed that only a small portion of you who watch BD4 on YouTube are actually subscribed. So, if you do enjoy this podcast, and maybe you want to be notified when new episodes release, I'd consider subscribing and also hitting that notification bell. This way, we can help the channel grow, and you won't miss a single episode of BD4. Alright, let's get back to it. All right, you know what? Let's get into it. Um, yeah, it was bad last night. And if you watched this game, I apologize because you stayed up that long to watch it. <laughs> but I'm in the same boat with you, man. I don't know if something's wrong with me. Uh, they lose to the Suns, 115-114. to Listen, the, the, I guess we'll start with, with the worst. I don't know. I don't even know. There are so many things you can point to and call it the worst part of the night. But you give up 115 points to a Suns team Granted, they have a lot of depth, but they were without Chris Paul. They were without Devin Booker. And they let Cam Johnson just go nuts on them. Cam goes for 38 points. He, I think he was 9 for... Jesus. Was he 9 for 16? I have down here, but something tells me I, uh, he was even better. I think he was like 9 for 11, wasn't he? I don't know. I've got 38 points. I know that he made 9 triples. He was just destroying the Knicks. And, you know, one of Thibodeau's uh, positives, at least you know, historically, even last season with the Knicks, was that he's a defensive-minded head coach. But this season, I don't know, man. I don't know if it's... The scheme isn't right. Or the players just aren't executing this scheme. You know, there's a lot of over-rotating. You know what I mean? We were it's like some of the coverages that we have out there, we are relying on the weak side to rotate so often. And so often our weak side defenders are called ball watching. 
So this all, you know, triple rotations last night just leading to wide open threes and there are wide open holes in the rotations and guys aren't really putting forth a ton of effort to attack on their closeouts. So many different parts. It's like, all right, well, you know, the scheme worked last year, but the energy level was there. And this year, you could say that the players deserve flack for not putting forth that same effort level, but realize that and maybe adjust. You know? Some of these, I mean, dude, I can't I can't do Fournier anymore. I, I can't with this guy. Not to one, you know, not to be one of those people who say that, like, yeah, I know we were kind of overrating the shit out of Reggie Bullock, you know, especially when Fournier was not hitting his offensive, uh, getting his offensive, um, in his rhythm offensively, you know, earlier in the year. Not to say Reggie was this big loss, but you can see the difference at the wing, right? At least last year, Reggie Bullock was a good defender. He could play on-ball defense. He could play help defense. He was able to recover after rotations and, and close out hard enough. And these guys, they don't even get back out. You know, I mean, you look at this team now. We mentioned it at the top at the at the beginning of the season. A lot is depending on RJ to be that wing defender. Who, who he's an okay defender, but I don't think he's really that. He's not Reggie Bullock. He's not locked down. You know, we don't have that guy to to really anchor um, the perimeter coverage. And it really shows. It really shows in, in the scheme. I mean, shit. We had a, what was it, a 14-point lead heading into the fourth quarter before those couple of free throws at the end there by Cam Johnson. We had a 14-point lead. And we held the Suns to 23 points in the third quarter. A spectacular period for us. We I think we scored 38. But again, we just collapse. The Knicks end up allowing 34 points in the fourth. And obviously at the end of the game, Alec Burks in there, he misses the free throw. And Cam Johnson, who scores 21 points in the fourth quarter. He was 7 for 8 and 6 for 7 from 3 in the period. Ends up hitting that buzzer beater uh, three-point shot. I mean... It's embarrassing. There was just no defense. Um, and now I look up the, the defensive rating for this team. They've dropped to 18th. They dropped to 18th. Last year, weren't they 3rd or 4th? 18th. Under tips. So the defense was absolutely pitiful. I guess, you know, you could say that was the biggest reason they lost. But, I mean, offensively, sure. They scored uh, 114 points. Um, but when your two best scorers aren't there for you, it's it's a problem. You know, look no further than last night as another example of why this guy will never be a leader for us. And we're going to talk about Julius Randle when we get back from break. Stay with us. So if you guys want to follow me on social media, be sure to do so right now. I'm on Facebook at RJ Carbone, and I'm also on Instagram at Rob J Carbone. Once again, if you want to find me on Facebook, that is RJ Carbone, 
Instagram at Rob J. Carbone. So BD4 is on so many platforms to listen to. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud. You can listen to us on Spotify. You can find us on our sponsor, Anchor, and many other listening platforms as well, wherever you get your podcasts. But we are also available to watch on YouTube. So if you want to watch us on YouTube, go subscribe there. But if you prefer to listen to us, again, many, many, many listening platforms. Just be sure to subscribe, download, give us a rating, a review, comment, share the podcast, and all that fun stuff. This is BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. I don't know how much longer I can deal with this guy. I'm sorry. Am I? The dude is... I mean, we know he's he's super emotional. Way too emotional. Too soft. And it's so easy to get into his head. It is so easy to get into this guy's head, man. And he's one of those players who doesn't let his game do the talking. Instead, he'll use his mouth. It's always a teammate's fault. They'll see him pointing fingers. It's always the official's fault. He'll raise his hands in the air, not play defense. And now he's getting ejected from a game because somebody on the other side said mean words to him. Which the ejection, in my opinion, was the the perfect epitome of how soft we've become um, as a generation. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I thought it was ridiculous. Um, now, they said it was because he made contact with the official. I looked back at it. Dude, you don't get That's the softest shit in the world still. It's soft. But but point being, Randall, as I've said, I'm done with him because it's the same. It's, it's, it's a fake. It's an act. It's a fake tough guy act. It really is. He's WWE as fuck. And that just can't happen. You have to be smarter. You have to be smarter if you're Randall. I mean, he was at the time 25 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists on 50%. And he was perfect uh, at the free throw stripe. And he gets tossed. And, you know, if you're a fan of the tank, that was a good thing last night. But I I didn't actually, I really didn't love the way he looked offensively or, or just overall. I mean, I know his shot was falling. But it didn't really come in this, you know, it came in the same non-organic way that it usually does. And just, I didn't, it just, it always just feels so much better. The Knicks have such a better flow to them when R.J. Barrett's the one getting the on-ball duties, right? And then defense, there's always the defensive part. Randall's defense last night, absolutely embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing. I mean, I once, I once played 2K. With this dude, who, I, I shit you not, he allowed 60, uh, 60 plus points for three consecutive games in 2K Rec Center. 60 plus points for three consecutive games. And 
for those of you who've ever played 2K Rec, one Rec game is 20 minutes long, five minutes a quarter. He surrendered 60 points three in a row. Randall makes that dude's my player look like Kawhi. The guy has the audacity even to call out this team's defense the night after the Philadelphia game or the night of the Philadelphia game. And then he goes out there in the very next game and he plays like that on the defensive side of the floor. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go watch that game. Go watch this Phoenix-New York game back. Oh my gosh. Get him out of my city. Throw him in a smaller market. You know. So he can realize he's nothing but a role player outside of New York City. That's what he was when we got him. And he comes here. He gets this big ego. He thinks he's better than everybody else. Gets offended when he's held accountable by his own fans because he's not ever held accountable by his own coach. I am so tired of this dude. I cannot wait until the day they trade him. And I think they will trade him. It's just a matter of when. But I do not think he finishes out his contract. Um, and if we're going to be fair, R.J. Barrett was the worst player on the floor for the Knicks um, in that starting lineup last night. Uh, you know what? That's, that's, you could make a case that Fortnite was bad. But R.J. Barrett was pretty dreadful. You know, I'm not going to lie. Now, he found his way to 20 points, so that's nice. You know, that shows some growth because the old R.J. does not score 20 points when he, when he you know, builds as many brick mansions as he did um, last night. He shot, I think he shot it 6 for 26. One for seven on his threes and missing fourth quarter free throws again. He was awful. He was terrible. You know, a lot of the times I like the aggressiveness even when RJ is off. Right? Because it shows that his confidence is there and he's still taking that number one role. But last night it it felt pretty, I don't want to say selfish. But it felt like he was trying to play hero ball for the team a little too hard. And it wasn't working continuously. The jumper did not fall. His finishing was off. And nothing was gone. But he forced it anyway. And it didn't really feel natural. It all felt forced. Um, he, he was bad last night. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sugarcoat that. No. But it doesn't change anything. Right? I still want this roster going forward to be built around RJ Barrett. You know, and obviously there are the questions where does that Really, you know, where does Randall really fit if he's not going to be willing to take that back seat? And I thought last night, actually, you know, I know RJ was abysmal and Randall was on point with the shot, but from the get go, even before we can realize who was on and who was off, it seemed like Randall was determined to get his own before we even got to see if RJ was going to have a good night or not. I mean, he missed a couple of shots, maybe just one shot before Randall started taking a bunch of shots. And even when Randall started misfiring after the hot start, he still kept taking possessions, taking shots, and running up the floor. It just felt like Randall wanted to be the guy. And so that's what I'm talking about. You know, there's clear, there's clearly something going on between these two. I'm not saying it's a big-time rift, but there's definitely a push-and-pull type of thing. You know, it's pretty evident now, more than ever, that, you know, you see Randall coming out, looking to get his own, and then you see the way RJ plays these last two months or so, clearly trying to establish himself as the guy. There's something happening. You know, I'm not so sure Randall's just going to accept that backseat role that he should 
and this is why they have to move on from him. Low value or not, I think you have to move him in the summer. You know, I, I just... It's clearly things work better when R.J. Barrett runs the offense. And I, I'm also very eager to see what R.J. would look like under a new head coach. Um, I think it really could raise his ceiling that much more. I mean, we, we've talked about this plenty. He's already a solid ISO scorer. He attacks closeouts well. Um, you know, he gets downhill. He can also score off the catch. He's working well in the transition game. He, he's got those off the dribble threes and draw uh, in in the uh, double drag offense. You know, he had that DHO fake with Obi Toppin uh, in the second quarter on Wednesday. Finish with that, you know, baseline two handed uh, slam. He's doing it all. He's doing it all, and he's you know playmaking. He's operating in the pick and roll, the high pick and roll with Mitch facilitating and scoring in that pistol offense. And that's one thing, right? Remember when, when, when he was a rookie stuttering over my words tonight, man, RJ, um, the only really, the only real passes we saw from RJ as a kid, as a 19 year old rookie were those weak side passes, those cross court weak side passes. But now he's becoming a primary playmaker in the pick and roll. He has the drive and kick. He's got the dump off passes when he's on the drive in his arsenal. And he's making much smarter reads before he's attacking. That used to be a problem. He would make his reads a little late. But now he makes them and he's decisive before he um, drives. And so again, I know we talk about getting an offensive assistant in here. You know, Johnny Bryant, this, that. Probably eventually going to be Tibbs' successor at one point. And his offensive style is, is, you know, that West Coast high pace offense. But he's their offensive assistant right now. And clearly, you can see, he doesn't have a say. It seems like it's Tibbs. And, you know, Begley even said earlier in the season um, that it's all Tibbs regarding the offense and how it's ran. So I don't know, man. You know, I, I just don't know how much patchwork we could really do in order for it to work with Thibodeau. Between his offensive playbook, his defensive schemes, uh, the rotations, um, got to get him a point guard, got to give him an offensive assistant, little veterans as possible, this and that. It just doesn't all seem very realistic to me. And again, this is not all about R.J. Barrett. Because, you know, at least RJ has been getting those touches the last two months. Right? And he initiates those half-court actions with Mitch, like we just said. But it's also guys like Reddish. It's also guys like Deuce McBride, who got eight minutes last night, but they were eight minutes of cardio. And when he was in the half-court, they just hit him in the corner. Nobody even turned their heads towards Deuce. Nobody even, you know, Tibbs didn't even try to run him in an action. Reddish last night... Example number 6 billion since he's been here. You have Fournier out there front rimming. I think he even threw up a couple of air balls in the fourth quarter. Screening himself off on defense. Getting beat on blow buys. He was terrible defensively. A literal caution wet floor sign. His assignments would just go around him. And... The Knicks clearly needed it. They needed the offense. They needed the defense. And especially with Cam Johnson disrespecting every wing on their roster with 38 points, 9 for 12 from 3, whatever he was. 
Burke's losing his assignment multiple times in the court in the in the game. And you had Cam, who was playing well. He has the size to defend Cam Johnson. He's the only wing on the roster who can get to the cup without a screen. Two dribbles, boom, he's there. He extends the Nick lead up to six points with six minutes to go, right? Or six minutes and change to go. With a smooth, easy, left-handed driving layup. That was his second basket of the fourth quarter already at the time. And the very next dead ball, when RJ's shooting free throws, Tibbs checks Cam Reddish out for Evan Fournier, who scores zero points in the fourth quarter. So it was Burks versus Philly, it's Fournier versus Phoenix, and it'll once again be one of them for this upcoming loss against the Jazz. The Jazz? Is it Jazz? I think it's the Jazz. It's the Clippers. Um, Fournier, even in the balls to demand RJ to clear out uh, on one possession where he was isoing at the top of the key. I'm just so freaking tired of it, man. I'm sick of him. I'm sick of Thibodeau. And at the same time, while I'm watching this junk, <clears throat> while I'm watching this all, at the same time, I'm sitting here, the saddest part being I'm enjoying the way the Suns play their their game. I'm enjoying it. I find myself thoroughly enjoying how Monty Williams runs offense. I mean, you've got guys in constant motion. There is off-ball screening. There are cuts, full-court opportunities, half-court actions, selfless play, quick, sharp passes. ESPN even brought up that great point that we were actually talking about in episode 333 about how Phoenix plays that that .5 offense, right? That quick, snappy decision offense, which is something that Thibodeau should adopt. It's beautiful, and, and you know, with, with guys like Randall on this roster, who often make those longer decisions, it would help. You know, putting putting a, a real um, influence on him to really start making those quicker decisions again. And they were doing this again without their two best players on the floor, their engine and Chris Paul not playing. And then you watch this Nick offense again. For the literally trillionth time, it's the same basic, limited playbook. The same system. We get into sets, right? We get into our sets, but from there, we do nothing. We don't do anything from there. The Thibodeau offense has always been based off of guys who can create um, you know, create mismatches. But we don't have those guys. We don't have those type of players who can create mismatches so easily. So that is your job to our favorite word, that is your job to adjust to that. And Thibodeau isn't, and he won't. Hence why we fold every single third, fourth quarter. <laughs> our, our best, most intricate offensive set is maybe the single high pick and roll. That's it. <laughs> it's, that's, it's, it's crazy. I'm tired of it, dude. Um, it's we, we need to do something here. And I don't, I don't think there's anything else but one thing that we need to do. And, and I'm, I've said it enough. And it's unfortunate. You never like to see a guy lose his job. But he is a stopgap coach to begin with. So maybe this will have to be the end of the road, you know, before it gets worse. I, yeah. There were some good things in this game. 
we'll briefly talk about the good things because who wants to talk about the positives at this point? <laughs> we'll be right back. Uh, stay with us. All right, folks. Now, if you are listening to BD4 on Apple Podcasts, be sure to give us a five-star rating and a review, if you so please. So once again, this is if you are listening to BD4 on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and review. Thank you. Hey, guys. I hope you're enjoying this episode. But first... I also want to let you know, I have another blog. The blog I'm writing for is on ultimatesportsnetworks.com, titled The Bomber Bocker Blog. If you want to go subscribe to this blog, you should do so using my promo code 6A2841ERJC. Using that, you'd get a discount $7.99 a month get the best Knicks and Yankees opinionated content around. Once again, guys, the Bomber Bocker blog on ultimatesportsnetworks.com using promo code 6A2841ERJC, $7.99 a month. Positives, huh? I, I liked the efforts, uh, the effort for Mitchell Robinson last night. I, I loved it. I loved the effort. It was another one of his uh, pay me right now performances. I, I thought he was the best player on the floor last night. Not named Cam Johnson, of course. Um, he goes for 17 points on 100%. 15 rebounds, 4 steals, and 3 blocks. Uh, the first thing that stood out, it was just the, the heart and hustle. Right, He was absolutely outstanding, um, just in terms of that. And also, we always be sure, we're always sure, to bring up how he sometimes um, falters against those bigger, more skilled centers. But he smacked around DeAndre Ayton last night, man. It's not often you're going to see Aiton shoot 40%. And, and it's definitely unlikely where you're going to see him grab three boards. Which I think was his lowest rebounding output of the season. Tied for his lowest. If you exclude the game against Detroit. Where he left after six or seven minutes. So I thought Mitch was fantastic. And I think Mitch just continues to play much better over the last couple of months. And... If you get these types of performances from Mitch more often to close out the season, say if we if we have a lot more of those performances, maybe I'll I'll change my uh, my take on wanting to give him not much more than the minimum. But we have to see it 
And right now, the way he's playing these last two months, they've still, you know, I've turned a corner on him. I wasn't willing to go there. I wanted the Miles Turner thing to happen. Now, I want to pay the guy. You know, I, I'm still, again, I'm like 55 million, four years is good for me. But he still has 19 games left to change that, you know. And if he keeps playing like that, then yeah, uh, I think I could change my mind. But I mean, I, I am in a much better, much higher place when it comes to Mitch than I was just a few months ago. So he keeps keeps proving me wrong. Um, and I think, listen, he's given you nine, uh, eight points. I think it was eight and a half points, nine rebounds just about right now. So I don't think there's a reason to believe he can't get to 12 and 10 somewhere soon. You know, I just hope that it starts next season when he's on his new deal. It's scary, though, because you're thinking, you know, what if there's a team out there? There are already, I think, three or four teams that have been reported interested in him. What if one of those teams offers him, like, blows him out of the water with, like, a, I don't know, dare I say $20 million AAV for the next four years? $80 million. That scares the shit out of me because I would not, I would, you know, uh, I wouldn't want to do that. But then it's like, oh, great, you just lost him for nothing when you could have traded him at the deadline. So the Knicks are not in, they don't have any legs here. They have no leverage. This is all Mitch. And if he keeps playing like this, it's great for us to see his talent, to see him finally try and, you know, finally uh, get closer to that upside. But at the same time, the better he plays, the more he's probably going to demand. And it's going to be interesting. Like I said, I don't see them re-signing him. I really think that Mitch, you know, if you follow the guy on social media, he sees himself very highly. And so if you get more performances like this, 17, 15, 4, and 3, seven stocks, they call it. I'm not so sure. Um, I, I, th- I also thought Emmanuel quickly, while we're on the topic of positive things, played pretty well, you know. I couldn't get mad at his effort last night. I thought he played a good point guard, which is something you know he's had some inconsistencies with, playing down at the one. He's playing out of position without the ability to play off of D. Rose since he's been out most of the year. Um, but I thought he ran good offense. I thought he made his shots. He rebounded well. 13, uh, 13 points, 4 for 8 field goals, uh, 3 for 5 on threes, 8 boards, 2 assists. So I liked what I, I loved what I saw from Mitch. I liked what I saw from Quick, and um, yeah, that's really it. You know, I didn't lo- love Randall's performance. I did not love Barrett's performance. I thought Fournier was egregious. Um, I thought Burks was okay until the missed free throw, which kind of spoiled his night. Um, who else am I missing in that starting lineup? Burks, Fournier, Barrett, Randall, Mitch. One, two, three, four, five. Okay. Yeah, and off the bench again, quickly was fine. Sims didn't do too much. Um, Obi Toppin, it was his birthday yesterday. He couldn't play because I think he had a ham- I think it was a hamstring injury. We found out. Um, and, and the Cam Reddish thing—that was the most. Again, another. Another example of Thibodeau just. Hell bent. I don't get it, you know. And I called into the Nick of Time show. They're a great Nick's show with 10,000 followers on Instagram, and we were talking about that. So if you want to go check that out, I posted it on my Instagram story. Um, it's only got a couple hours left, so check it out. 
but, but by the time by the time you're listening to this, that's gone. Um, but the Nick of Time Show, check out their latest episode, and you, you'll find my call. Um, but we were talking about the same thing. It's it's. I don't know. It's every night. You know, Cam's the guy who asked out, getting 25 minutes in Atlanta. He comes to New York. They cut his minutes in half, and when he does play, they don't even use him properly. You know, so I, I've said my whole spiel there tons of times, not going to bull you further, but that's our biggest issue with Tibbs, right? We we don't like his lineups, and it's hurt the team this season for sure. And it's easy for any non-Knicks fan to sit here and say, oh, the Knicks suck. I mean, it's not his fault. But you don't watch Knicks games. You're not spending 48 minutes a night watching the Knicks. Don't bullshit us. And if you don't watch the Knicks, how could you really know? Besides following the popular narrative. So, yeah, he's been a big problem. And I'm not saying he's a bad NBA coach, but I'm certainly saying he's had a bad season. And I am also saying that he does not fit this Knicks um, team. When you look at where we are as a franchise, we need to start being realistic and actually get a legitimate rebuild going and try to pivot towards youth. And he's not the coach for that, obviously. So, we'll see. Final break when we get back. See. A custom wall tapestry is a surefire way to uplift any room's aesthetics with a personal touch. This 100% polyester wall tapestry comes with hemmed edges for extra durability while its mildew and water resistant properties ensure years worth of decorating bliss. The advanced tapestry printing techniques guarantee crisp detail even for the craziest of designs in any of the multiple size choices. You can select a size of 26 by 36 inches, 51 by 60, 68 by 80, and 88 by 104. These wall tapestries usually ship in 7 to 10 business days, and the price ranges from $24.99 to $69.99, all dependent on the size you select. The Bomber Bocker blog wall tapestries come in orange, gray, and black. But most importantly, be sure when purchasing a wall tapestry for the Bomber Bocker blog that you use promo code 6 a 2 841-ERJC 682-841-ERJC Just go to ultimatesportsnetworks.com and click on the Shop MVP tab searching the Bomber Bocker blog and there you have it. (laughs) You know, man, I don't know if anybody noticed. I'm sure you did. I literally just stumbled over my words uh, those last couple seconds. It sounded like I had a stroke before we went to break. It's because I was distracted. I had somebody in the room. I was kind of trying to talk uh, while going to break at the same time. I don't know what I said. I was like, uh, we'll be back from break. Uh, See ya. All right. um, Let's get to it. Uh, Let's get to our NYY. NYK MMA question of the day and we'll wrap it up from there. Hopefully we haven't asked this question before because we're starting to get to that point where it's like huh, I may I may be repeating. 
Um, but for episode 334, our NYYNYK MMA question of the day, obviously Knicks-based. For how many seasons did Carmelo Anthony lead the Knicks in scoring? All right. For how many seasons did Carmelo Anthony lead the Knicks in scoring? That is our NYYNYK MMA question of the day for episode 334. If you know the answer, let me know. Wherever you can reach me, any platform, messaging, commenting, wherever. If you get it correct, I'll give your handle a shout out in the next episode. If you don't get it correct, but you at least guess, I'll let you know the answer in the next episode. All right, guys, thanks so much. That's it. That's all I've got. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. This is episode 334 of the podcast, BD4 where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. I'll see you in the next one. Ciao. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. It's the best way to make a podcast. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm 